0: Hey, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Thanks for joining me. Now's a good time to put us uh, kind of in the background, peruse the rest of the RVTravel.com website. If you're driving and listening, drive carefully and listen closely. Or if you're just relaxing, put your feet up, pour another one, have one on me. Sure appreciate your being with us. Great podcast in store for you. We'll look at yet another alternative to the crowded campgrounds we're already facing. Chuck Woodbury of RVTravel.com, the guru, will share an incredible destination you might want to visit. We'll look at what's new in the RV world and the campground world, all that breaking news coming up, plus your advice on backing a trailer and how you feel about music. It's all coming up on the RV Travel Podcast, so stay right here. I promise you a good time, and I appreciate your listening. Well, my lovely wife and I uh, were out last weekend uh, looking for adventure, and uh, maybe you were too. Hope you had a good one. If you were out, we camped at one of our favorite streams. In fact, the stream that convinced me to move here to Central Oregon the Matolias River bubbles up, fully grown from the edge of an old volcano. Beautiful Spring Creek. Fishing used to be good. Now it's not so good. Long story. I won't bore you with all of it. But the, the strangest part about this whole thing was uh, no kids. Now there's campgrounds up and down this stream, and there's probably room for a thousand rigs and tents and backpackers over the length of this valley. But in our campground, there was not one single child. I know it's early in the year. I know we got there on a weekday, but we were there through the weekend. And yet the only kids we saw were the kids at the upstream restaurant we hung out at friday night i guess i shouldn't complain about that should i and i did catch a really nice brown trout on a beadhead prince nymph under an indicator if you're so inclined okay so um... that was what we did looking forward to hearing what you did. In fact, um, I asked on Facebook, uh, this, this is the kind of stuff that I do. Uh, I ask for help that I need, not because I'm selfish. Okay, I'm that too. But I'm also thinking if I need help in this area, so do a lot of other people. And sure enough, you all agree. On the RV Advice Facebook page, you can get to that from rvtravel.com. Just go to resources and you can't miss it. It's right there. 99 helpful comments to the question. Your single best tip for backing a trailer into a campsite. No, I'd love to share all 99 with you, but um, I cherry-picked some of the good ones. You'll see why, or at least I hope you'll agree they're the good ones. Bruce Tratter says, train your spotter to use correct hand signals and make sure they can see your driver's mirror. Great idea. And then train them to look up as well as left to right, reminding us, thank you, Bruce, of tree limbs. Monica Mack says, practice, practice, practice. Isn't that how you get to Carnegie Hall too, Monica? Don't assume the one who does most of the driving will do the best backup job. Yeah, gold star for you, Monica, and for conveying it so diplomatically. David Matthews on says, you have to have first learned as a kid backing a hay wagon. You know, hay is one of those substances that has probably caused a lot of kids to grow up in one way or another, whether you're bucking it, backing it, or everything in between. Sylvia Steiger has the simplest advice, three words, buy a motorhome. Bill Cuckin says the back of the trailer will go in the same direction as the bottom of your steering wheel. That's one that I, I still have to rethink every time we're doing it, but it is great advice. And um, (laughs) Javier Martinez, I love this, Uh, sounds like the voice of authority. He says, stop as soon as you hit something. Dave Kaiser will close out this Facebook segment. All your comments, all the time. How to back up a trailer, the best advice. Dave Kaiser says, apologies, period, in advance to your partner. Hard to argue that one, isn't it? Okay, the RV Travel Podcast is brought to you in part by Soft Start RV. Learn more at softstartrv.com slash rvtravel. Simplest way to get there. Simply put, here's how it works. And I watched the videos and I learned a lot from our friend of the podcast, Mike Sokol, the electricity guru in our world. No more thumps, no more trailer shaking in the quiet of the night as your air conditioning compressor kicks in. Soft Start RV kind of slowly, gradually, quietly gets your air conditioner up to speed even when it's taxing your two weak generator. Reduces and eliminates clunking compressor startup noises. Everyone sleeps cool. Quiet and rested. Learn more at softstartrv.com slash RVTravel. Very excited to help answer a few more of your questions in an area that seems to be more and more of a problem. Joel Holland may have the solution to that. Joel Holland with Harvest Hosts. You're the CEO over there. Welcome to the RV Travel Podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: Uh, I'm intrigued. Have been for quite a while. Finally fell for your advertising. No, (laughs) no. It's the it, only way to get it to go away. I mean, it's I'm slapping my forehead as I say this, but it's it's a no-brainer. I mean, for you know, for a few bucks, for the cost of a couple nights in a in a in a campground, um, you're putting us in places we could never be otherwise. Uh, so w- we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the the problems it solves in this day and age. But first off, you're an RVer, aren't you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, in fact, my. My wife and I um, RV'd through all the lower 48 states uh, back in 2014. We took about two years and ended up, um, we left Virginia, so we were living in the D.C. area, and by the end of our trip, we ended up in Colorado, fell in love with the state, and bought a home here, uh, and we've been here since, last
0: five years. You know, that is, you just summed up the dream of half of our listeners right there, um, the, the whole goal of full-time RVing is to find the next place to stop full-time RVing, I think. But uh, in the course of all that, is that when you learn more about this whole organization and how it works? Tell me, give me the backstory on Harvest Hosts.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So on the East coast, I had um, built and uh, sold a video technology company. I had completely burned out on being in, in a city, being in a cubicle, um, was really longing for the open road. And uh, and so my wife's was a veteran, and she was also ready to make some moves. So we kind of impulsively bought a fifth wheel and a truck, hit the road thinking we would do it for maybe a couple of months and get tired of it. But we ended up really falling in love with the lifestyle and the community and the freedom uh, you know, of travel. I, and I'm, and I'm you know, preaching in the choir here. Everyone listening knows what I'm talking about. But in the process of that two-year journey, around the country, we um, we really fell in love with open spaces. And we saw all these farms and wineries. And we love tasting wine, as an example. And we thought, wouldn't it be nice if you could you know, go to a small business, support them, buy the wine, and then stay overnight um, in return? And that's how we actually found Harvest Toasts. And so it, it, it was a company started by Kim and Don Green back in 2009, wonderful concept. Um, pretty small company at that time, like a really just a wonderful uh, niche with good bones. And so I reached out to them and said, Hey, I just love this concept. We were members. We'd stayed at some wonderful harvest host locations. Um, And I asked them, would you have any interest in selling the company retiring and, and, you know, allowing this to be my next project to kind of put our love of RVing into it and grow it to the next level. And so we, we ended up, um, Purchasing Harvest Oast in May of 2018, going on uh, three years, next month. Well,
0: you you know, and by the way, great move. And thank you, because I I think you've already taken it to the next level. Uh, But before we get back to the business side of things, you talked about the the lifestyle that you got uh, so well acquainted with and appreciated so much. Describe uh, what that means to you. Yeah, you know, I summarize it with one word, which is freedom.
1: And, you know, RVing, I think, more than any other form of travel, gives you the freedom to wake up every day and do whatever you want. And, uh, you, you know, like, because air, airlines are rigid, you have to have certain, you know, you have to have a certain ticket at a certain time, you've got to be there, you know, at a certain point, uh, you then have to rent a car, find a hotel, there's a lot of moving pieces, which are difficult to rearrange. Whereas with an RV, like this weekend, we're going to go get in our RV, and I don't know where we're going to go yet. We're just going to go, and we're going to find a place we like. We're going to stop, and we're going to enjoy it as long as we feel like enjoying it, and if we get tired, we'll move on, and if we don't, we'll just stay. I mean, that like that's the ultimate freedom to me.
0: It's complete power and control of your destiny, and I love that. And so do I <laughs> tell me <laughs> uh, you, you've had uh, you've had some big news in the last, uh, you know, few weeks for that matter. What's what's the latest at Harvest Hosts?
1: Yeah, So, so the big the big news um, a few weeks ago, we announced that we raised uh, thirty seven million dollars from a private equity firm to um, help us take Harvest Hosts to the next level. And, and really what that means is a focus on hiring. We we hired 10, 10 people in the last week alone. So seven days, 10, 10 amazing new employees. Um, heavy focus on host recruitment. So when I, when I bought Harvest Hosts, we had 600 locations. We now have over 2,200. My goal is to add another 1,000 before the end of this year. Um, so we're really trying to grow the network because membership is growing very quickly and I want to make sure there are always plenty of places to stay um, and plenty of wonderful small businesses to support. You know, and, and from, from where I stand, this business is very scalable in a positive way. I think we can we can really grow this to more wineries, more breweries, more farms who benefit from being in the program. And then, of course, more RVers who are looking for unique experiences to complement the campgrounds, um, not replace them, but just, you know, another way to enjoy the lifestyle.
0: You know, your timing couldn't be better for all of that that you've just described. Uh, we lament this every week on the RV Travel Podcast. And that is, we're always, always pressed for a place to go. Uh, and these days and this summer may be the worst ever because of all those new RVers and uh, all the other complications that come with COVID and everything else. So good on you. And good luck. Uh, Boy, I I don't know that I could ever sustain uh, 10 new employees every week on the hiring side. But (laughs) that's why you get paid the big bucks, I guess. Well, you know, it's interesting.
1: Um, When I bought the business, my my thought was it would be a a fun lifestyle business. Because when I last company, you know, I, I essentially retired, but I was too young. I mean, I'm in my thirties. So I was too young to be retired. Harvest Host was a passion project. Um, it's just simply ended up growing to be a pretty big program. And I had this decision to make, which was, do I continue trying to run it like a lifestyle business, which means choke off the growth um, or do I run with it? Because it, it, I think it really is bringing a lot of value to the RV community and to these small businesses. I mean, one stat that I love talking about right now is, um, our members this year are going to spend over $40 million directly with the harvest host locations that they visit. And we don't take any of that, right? It's, it's always completely free as a host to be part of our program. We don't take a percentage of the spend, nothing. And, and it ends up being an extra $13,000 on average per host, which makes a big deal. You know, it's, it makes a big difference. And it's a big deal, especially during COVID. So, um, you're right. Adding 10 employees adds complexity to my life, but it's such a cool program that I think it's worth it. And I think it's worth growing it.
0: Well, let's, get to that. Um, and good luck. Describe a, a typical harvest host experience from, uh, from inspiration to leveling and settling at a harvest host.
1: Okay, absolutely. Yeah. So, in fact, there's there's one this weekend that I'm hoping to go visit here in Palisade, Colorado. So um, you're driving down Route 70. You've already come over Vail Pass. You drive past Vail. You go through Glenwood Springs. You're on your way to Moab. Well, on that route, there's this really cool town called Palisade that has a number of wineries. Um, and we have a few hosts in Palisade. One of them is Savage Spectrum. And it's this really awesome winery founded by a husband and wife who grew up in Palisade. Um, both became like chemists. And so they actually brought their like scientific knowledge to creating wines and they're phenomenal. Um, as a Harvest Host member, you pull through this beautiful little town of Palisade onto this winery and you can park. There's a few different places you can park. Um, I like to park right behind the tasting room. And so on one side, you're completely up against the vines and so when you look out your windows, it's just vines for, for, like, acres. And on the other side, you've got your taste your tasting room. And so when we visited um, last fall, we parked just like that, leveled. Um, it, it's a very level area. And, you know, and most of our hosts, are they're either parking lots um, or, you know, dirt spots. But they're usually level. They're usually pretty level. So I didn't have to do too much leveling. Popped out, um, went over to the tasting room. We had an amazing night tasting wines. Uh, the winery shuts down, right? So, so usually they close around 5 o'clock, but you're going to be there all night as a Harvest Host visitor. So we got to hang out with the owners who took us behind the scenes and let us taste some barrels uh, on new vintages they were working on. They ended up making a bonfire. We all sat around the bonfire and had a wonderful night. Um, and then at the end of the night, I got to crawl back to the RV and didn't have to drive anywhere. So it was just kind of the perfect all-around experience.
0: It could be more perfect if they could just run a hose from the testing, tasting room into the RV.
1: But- <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you say that, though, because one of the things that was happening and still happens uh, around COVID, a lot of these wineries allow our members to call and place orders for wine that they'll walk over to your RV, leave on the doorstep, and walk away. I love so it. So you can literally have it delivered right to your door.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, go back to the very beginning though. What you don't just stop in, you are making advanced reservations uh, online, right?
1: C- correct. Yes. And so um, we now have a, we do have a booking system. About 700 of our hosts are, un, are in the system. It's new and the system's only been around for um, really like two months. So it's a very new system. We're still trying to get as many hosts onto it as possible. So when you go to book a host, so it all starts with either on your phone or on your computer, you can search for hosts by location, by type, um, by route, which is usually how I do it. So I'll plot my route from, you know, Vail to Moab, and it'll then show me all the hosts that are off of my route. You can set distance, you can say I'm willing to travel 10 miles off of my route, um, and it'll show you what's around. You can say it needs to be pet friendly, because I'm traveling with Fido. Uh, and I want to see all the types, or you can restrict it, just wineries, just golf courses, however you want. So then you find your results. Um, I see Savage Spectrum pops up on the map. I click on it. I can now see hundreds of photos that members have submitted. So you can actually see how the RV is going to be parked and get an idea for the atmosphere. You can read comments. Again, I mean, we have. I think close to 100,000 comments have been submitted. So you can read comments about pretty much every location, get a feel for what it's like. Um, And then to book it, there are instructions. Either there's a link to book it right online, or uh, a phone number, and it tells you who to call and ask for. Um, And you say, hey, I'm a Harvest Host member. Here's my member number. I'd like to come visit you on Friday. Is that okay?" And it's just that simple.
0: And then let the wine flow.
1: that's right or the beer
0: or just uh, quickly joel holland is the ceo of harvest hosts i'm scott linden this is the rv travel podcast joel uh, the the main categories of hosts wineries golf courses you mentioned breweries Erp. um what else is what else is on the agenda for visitors
1: yes so i'll give you a quick rundown here we have five hundred and ninety five wineries, five hundred and fifty five farms. And these are a variety of types, produce farms, apple farms, lavender farms, um, agritourism farms, you know, pumpkin patches and that sort of thing. Um, 369 attractions, which includes, um, outdoor air museums, salt mines, toys, like, uh, toy museums. We have a, we have the National Quilting Museum, um, we have the RV Hall of, you know, the RV Motorhome Hall of Fame is a, is a member. So a lot of interesting attractions. 397 golf courses. They need no description. Very scenic. Um, and the final category: 265 breweries and distilleries. Uh, for a grand total of 2,181 locations. But we're adding right now about 50 new hosts per week. Wow. And so, yep. And so, so the goal is to just continue growing that list. Uh, with really unique destinations.
0: And and if you want to get a feel for all this, everybody, uh, harvesthosts.com is where you'll get the, pardon the pun, you'll get a taste of how this all works, more details, that sort of thing. Um, You, um, Joel, you um, have a little bit of, I, I guess I'll call it an expectation for RVers who visit these Harvest Host locations. Describe that to us. Yes, so
1: our membership fee is only ninety nine dollars a year. Um, that gives you unlimited access to stay for free at all of our host locations. The reason the membership fee is so inexpensive uh, is because we encourage our members to take some of the money they're saving, you know, from a traditional campground and support the local business that you visit. Uh, you know, buy the wine, buy the produce, buy the you know the beer. Um, we say spend, you know, a minimum of $20 as a way to say thank you. Um, do whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, on average, our members spend about $50 per visit. Um, that's not expected, but but obviously very much appreciated. What's nice is, you know, you're paying essentially, you know, that's essentially a campground fee, but you're coming away with a case of wine, right, or, or some amazing fresh produce or blueberry muffins. So, so you really, you come away with an experience and some product. Um, for roughly the same price that you would pay to go to a campground. But for me, it's really that experience. You know I mean When you go to a Harvard Social location, you're going to come away with a story that you're going to tell people about. I promise you
0: that. I'm, I have a, a, a good friend who's a, who, who in his next life will be a winemaker. I'm going to take him to some of those places just so that he can get a feel for it. He, we joke about it, but he wants to live among the vines. I'm going to let him do that. I think he's going to love it. And, and, and he's going to get to see the behind the scenes,
1: right? Like every exactly. host I've been to shows you, shows you exactly how they do it. They love talking about the process. Oh so, yeah. So your friend will get a full feel, a full feel for what it's like to run a
0: winery. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe he'll decide instead to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Just like every other quest we're on with our RVs, though, there's some tricks to the trade if we want to get the good spots, especially because we can only stay a night, maybe two nights in a few exceptional cases. So we want to make sure that we plan ahead. How far ahead can we do that sort of thing? Well, you know, there's no hard,
1: fast rule uh, with harvest hosts. It all depends on the location. Um, you know, many of them will let you book pretty far in advance. Or right? if So if you want to book weeks out, you can. Uh, it's funny, more common, the question I get is, how, how, like, little of a heads up can I give them? Yeah. Because what we're finding these days, and I literally just found this this weekend, I can't find a campground within 100 miles of here that has anywhere to stay this weekend. And I've checked dozens. So... Uh, in its early season, it's April. No one's supposed to be RVing right now. What is happening? So um, I'm going to lean on Harvest Host as a good way to get a last-minute place to stay. And and so I typically book um, at least a day out. Uh, you can call day of, never arrive unannounced. But uh, if it's a busy, you know, if, if I'm calling for a weekend, I'll usually try to call a week ahead, you know, or at least a right. few days. Right. Um, so, yeah.
0: Okay, and, and just to be clear, uh, most of these places may have – something, but seldom are you going to find full hookups, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say that typically there are no hookups. I yeah. I, I would go into this program expecting the boondocking experience. Um, and you, you'll be pleasantly surprised now and then, <laughs> but, um, but the reality is think of it as boondocking, right? To, to be able to park uh, in, in the middle of vines or in the middle of a lavender field. Um, there yeah there there will be no hookups
0: there you have it joel holland is the ceo of harvest hosts yeah harvesthosts.com you uh you'll find everything you need there even becoming a host if you're so inclined all locations a gallery it's all right there at harvesthosts.com joel a wonderful concept good luck to you and thanks for being a part of the rv travel podcast
1: well, thank you, sir. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and you've got me all excited to hit the road.
0: I'll see you down the down the trail somewhere. Perfect. Thank you. And now is a good time to remind you that uh, you can get all sorts of information like this in print or whatever we call it now on. The website rvtravel.com. 10,000 articles, you name it. There's something in there on any topic. And then consider becoming a subscriber, a member, if you will, you'll get the member editions of all the newsletters earlier than everybody else. You'll get all sorts of other information well before the other people. And it takes just a few bucks one time, regular, doesn't matter consider subscribing to rvtravel.com. Who brings you this podcast? Yeah, so uh, welcome back to the RV Travel Podcast. Um, One of my favorite guests already. I, I guess we're only on episode five, but I already have favorite guests for a lot of reasons. One is he's the founder of RVTravel.com. Two is he's a well-traveled individual and a darn nice guy. Chuck Woodbury, welcome back to the RV Travel Podcast.
2: Well, once again, I'm glad to be back, Scott. So I'm uh, looking forward to talking to you.
0: Same here. And, um, you know, one of my goals on the RV Travel Podcast is to, mm-hmm. to give people ideas about where to go. You now people tell me where to go all the time but i don't think they mean it in quite the same way mm-hmm. but there are some fascinating places that maybe we're looking to get off the beaten track or maybe we're just trying you know discovering for the first time one of those classics whether it's yellowstone or yosemite or the blue mountains or whatever uh you i I gave you an assignment i asked you to. Come up with a place that you'd love to go back to, and then tell us why. So, open the map and start the journey.
2: Well, you know, I I've been all over this country many times, and probably in the West more than anywhere else. But uh, and I mean, there's just places: the Oregon coast, Yosemite, of course. I mean, you could go on and on. Glacier National Park, the Rocky Mountains. But my favorite spot that I've gone back to over and over and over is are the red rock parks in Southern Utah, um, Zion, Bryce arches. Um, there's between national monuments and national parks, there must be half dozen, more than a half dozen, but you know, there's nowhere like it that I know of on earth where you have this incredible red rock, just beautiful red rock and, um, canyons and Bryce Canyon, uh you hike down into Bryce Canyon and Zion, you look straight up, you get a stiff neck. Um, it, that is by far, to me, uh, the most uh, stunning part of America. I think, um, and you know, I mean, in the summertime, this is going to be very crowded, but there is an awful lot of um, public lands there. So people can boondock off um, just about anywhere. Um, the parks will be, I'm sure, will be booked, the campgrounds, but doesn't mean you can't stay outside go in for the day come back out um but really they're just
0: beautiful and you know you're absolutely right chuck i've been down there a couple times and the first thing that struck me is how uh, otherworldly so much of the landscape appears it's it, yeah. you don't see it anywhere else except on the national geographic channel and and yeah. then you're right several of the parks especially if you stretch yourself down into say the moab area mm-hmm. uh, There are one-day parks, Arches, for example, and uh, and Bryce to a great degree. You can see a lot of park in one day. So uh, if you're strategic about it, you can move around, and it's one of those places uh, that ought to be on everybody's bucket list. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah, and, you know, I think um, if you stay around, there's a lot of RV parks in the Moab area. Yeah. And then there's camping up along the Colorado River there. Arches, I didn't even, I wasn't, for some reason I blanked out on that, but of course that road in through Arches and out to, back to the end of the road, and there's plenty of trails along the way, lots of pullouts. That has to be per square foot, one of the most glorious, beautiful places on earth. Um, uh, and I will give you uh, people a little tip. Um, near there, not well known, is Dead Horse Point State Park, um, and there's a view there that people just look it up that is just equal to anything in the Grand Canyon or anywhere. But um, it, but anywhere you go down there, there are plenty of one-day um, excursions. I know up around Moab, if you want to get on the dirt roads, there's plenty of uh, dirt roads around there that just uh, have, you can pull over anywhere with stunning vistas. So um, it, it's really endless down there.
0: What are some of the other things about that area that just uh, that you, you keep coming back to in your own mind that, that are indelible?
2: Well, you know, I, I tell you, one of the, one, the fun things I did down there once was Capitol Reef National Park, which uh, uh, isn't as well-known, but certainly is beautiful. Um, uh, they, the Mormons settled there, and they, they planted fruit orchards. And you can stay at the – if you can get into the park there, the park campground – they will um, open it up at times when there's a, a harvest, and we got there when the apricots were being, were just perfect, and you just go back there, and I don't know, maybe they charge now, but you just bring a bucket and, and they have ladders there, and you just go up and you pick the fruit, whatever it might be, and um, and plus they're just beautiful uh, orchards to begin with. Um, and, and, of course, the history there, the Native American history in that whole area is, uh, is, is uh, captivating. So, um, you know, I, it's really, it, all the parks, they're all different in some way, except for the one common thing that's just, there's so much beautiful red rock. And that's the part that's, if you've never seen it, that, that you just can't get over.
0: You mentioned Native American stuff as well, and we're big on the petroglyphs and the pictographs. Mm -hmm. And and, um, in a lot of that country, uh, not necessarily in any of the parks per se, but on a lot of the public ground, if you know what you're doing and you have the right attitude, you can find some incredible stuff that most people never find. We were up in a little slot canyon off the Mm -hmm. Colorado River once, and we found a smaller slot canyon that had an ancient primitive single log ladder going up to the top and then mm. at the end of that canyon there was pictographs that were incredible and, and in a style we'd never seen before if you had to narrow it down to one thing in one park could, could you do that well i will just tell you um
2: um hiking down into the canyons in Bryce Canyon is, is everybody should do that that's in the area but I will just take this one little talking about the pic, pictographs um, Red uh, uh, Valley of Fire State Park outside about an hour drive outside of Las Vegas is as stunning as any of the Utah parks and for anybody that's going into Las Vegas that wants a totally different experience drive out to Valley of Fire and the pic, pictographs um, and again, the Red Rock, they shoot an awful lot of uh, uh, car commercials out there because of the beautiful, beautiful Red Rock. Um, uh, but any one place, I, I think if somebody could, could just go down there and they say, um, I, I got one day, I would say, drive the road in Arches and uh, park along the way and take some of the trails. Uh, you can't, you just can't beat that. You'll never forget the uh, the beauty.
0: Yeah, I I might argue that, but uh, this is your interview chuck and you're the boss at rvtravel.com so i'm not going to argue that um, there's some incredible sites and if you want a more of a classic national park experience you have almost all the facilities you want at zion there there's oh yeah, yeah. you know there's hotels restaurants there's uh there's a lodge and, and all of that which if that's what you're looking for they have it as well i'm glad you pointed out some of these state parks though a lot of us look at that area and think only about national parks, national mm-hmm. monuments, when there there may well be just as many state parks that have a lot of the same qualities, mm-hmm. don't they? Yes,
2: yes. And, you know, Zion is great because um, there's the, the one canyon, the road up the canyon there. Uh, it's all shuttle buses now. So it's really nice because you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, crowded uh, pullouts and so forth. You just get on the shuttle. Sometimes you have to wait a little bit to get on. Then you just get on, get off. You can hike the trails. And certainly Zion is one of the spectacular parks uh, in the country, and in fact, the world. So, um, yeah, each one of them's different, um, you know. But but the southern Utah, that 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 whole area, there's just I can't think of it. I mean, you go to the East Coast, there's you're talking about night and day, um, or anywhere else, uh, there's nothing like it.
0: You know, our last guest talked about the freedom that RV travel provides us with and a destination like that down there, which is, uh, I'm going to just, you know, you've got the map in front of you, but there's a big corner down there that has so much going for it, even in a time when there may be too many people, or there's, there's a line to get in, or mm. there's, there are so many other places nearby that you can choose instead, that freedom becomes really important, and that's a good place to find it. Yeah, um,
2: a lot of national forests down there too, and they yeah. have, there's plenty of national forest campgrounds. Um, I'm sure that, uh, and and like I said, in in Utah, like uh, most of the, you know, Nevada, Arizona, is largely owned by the government, uh, public lands, and so there's, it's easy to just, with with an RV, to just pull over for a night or two or longer, and on the public lands, and stay as long as you want, and, and, you know, kind of get off on a side road, and have the place to yourself, and watch the incredible stars at night, and... uh, so um, I, I think that, this, that any traveler to the United States and the people from Europe that do come over, and when you're down there in the spring and summer, you find so many people from Europe go there because it's so unlike anything they have over there.
0: Yeah, And, you know, just, and I love doing that, and we do it a lot in some other places as well. And, and the, the, Talking to them about what they're experiencing is fascinating in itself. Mm-hmm whether it's a small world after all or not doesn't really matter but you're getting an experience when you're talking to people like that and you're right national parks in general are a magnet for international visitors and and right. they they're in their own way they're a resource for us too
2: oh yeah it's you know i i mean sometimes you know i've been to to europe many times and when you get over there you hear all the different languages or if you're in france you're going to hear a lot of french obviously but when you get into the national parks in the summer you hear every language i mean you can't even begin to figure out what some of them are speaking they're from every corner of the world um coming to see these amazing american national parks so that's that's fun you know talking with them and they're all friendly and um it's part of the experience
0: absolutely is. And speaking of other languages, uh, muchas gracias. Merci mm. beaucoup. Um, let's see. Dankeschön. Yeah. And And, uh, thank you for cluing us into a corner of the United States. You know, just, Hey everybody, just get out a map, go Southeast from Las mm. Vegas. You cannot go wrong. Nope. Take you it. Can't. Take it from Chuck Woodbury, the founder of RVtravel.com. here on the RV travel podcast. Chuck, Let's do this again real soon. I'm getting stoked. Anytime
2: you want, Scott, I'm just a phone call away. So, I'm okay. here.
0: Okay? Thank, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. I got to put that on the list. Maybe not for the summertime, but you know, that's the joy of that area. You can go any time of year. There are very few days that those parks are closed, and if they are, just go to the next one for a while instead. Here's a good chance to remind you that the RV Travel Podcast is brought to you in part by America's Mailbox. Yeah, americasmailbox.com. Get information on all of the services they provide. If you're thinking about full-timing, looking for a place to register your rigs, establish a residency, even low-cost insurance. They've got somebody in-house to handle all of those things. The fees are extremely low. You can have all your mail sent wherever you want it sent. Uh, rates start at about 150 and go to about 250 bucks a year to get all your mail, all your mail and all your packages of various programs out there taking care of once and for all. Peace of mind of all sorts and the advantages that come with, for example, a South Dakota residency. Learn more at AmericasMailbox.com. You know, I used to sell market research, and I'm still intrigued sometimes, sometimes by it, if it's relevant. And so my job is to look for relevant stuff to share with you. And luckily, a lot of it comes from Emily Woodbury, the editor at RVTravel.com, and the surveys that she, among others, put together every few days, almost every day now that think about it. Being a former musician, this one jumped out at me. If you want to take any of the reader polls, go to rvtravel.com and just search reader polls or just look on the main page. There's almost always one on the main page. How important to you is listening to music? Well, I know how important it is to me. Still part of the lifestyle here, even though I'm not making money at it anymore. Your comments, enlightening as ever. Rusty says, what we are not is listening to your tunes at a campground from five sites away. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Rusty. You said it, we all thought it. Ron T says, when driving in my Jeep, it's classic rock. When in the Middle of nowhere, on the first day out, the radio was on local news until that fades and then it stays off for the rest of the trip. George BL says, I prefer talk radio. Seems to make the time go faster. Now that Rush is gone, I'll have to search for a new entertainer. Skip says, having an adult child, you get a mix of music and the grandkids, I'm not sure what they listen to. Connie replied to that, What's funny is when your grandkids' favorite music is what you listened to in the 70s and 80s, and they think it's new. I'll never forget, a songwriter friend of mine said, yeah, my daughter came in one day, and she said, Dad, Dad, did you know before he was in Wings, Paul McCartney was in another band? Oh my, don't you love it? The soundtrack of our lives, that's what music is all about. Thank you all for taking the poll. Oh, and by the way, 28% of you said it's very important to listen to music. 35% said it's important. 27% said I like it once in a while, but not very often. And boy, oh boy, 6% of you don't even care. Music is not an important part of your life. Well, we're going to work on that. And there's the end of our music. Time to remind you that the RV Travel Podcast is brought to you in part by CarGenerator.com. Jonathan Schlue is the inventor. He created a product that would protect you, your home, and serve your RV. Let's say you don't want to make the investment in a noisy, smelly, heavy generator. Well, your car becomes a generator when you hook up his device to it. Pretty simple, couple clamps, heavy-duty cables, and your car now becomes a source of 110 power, shore power out of your car, or your RV's motor if you have that kind, or your tow vehicle's motor if you're pulling one behind you. Real easy to learn more at cargenerator.com. There are two versions, one for clement weather and one for crappy weather. Learn more at cargenerator.com. So, periodically, we need to stay in touch with the world, especially with the RV world, especially in this day and age. Luckily, at rvtravel.com, we have somebody who's helping us. Janet Greeny is her name. Janet, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast.
3: Thank you, Scott.
0: So... We know you because you write uh, basically hard news for us at rvtravel.com. You're summarizing a whole bunch of the stuff that will help us in one way or another avoid a headache or take advantage of something or whatever, and we'll get to that in a moment. But you're you're calling me from North Florida right now. Tell me um, what else you do when you're not talking to the RV Travel Podcast. Well, I
3: write a bi-monthly column on... uh recipes for the FMCA magazine. Uh, I'm venturing into fiction, and I've written oh, 25 or 35 books because travel writing has been my full-time job for many years. Um, Gordon and I lived full-time on the go for 10 years, and part of that time was on a sailboat in the tropics and the rest of the time was in our 21-foot diesel RV. It was fun to be homeless and rootless all those years.
0: Funny you don't hear that very often. (laughs) Tell me, what was a highlight of that whole full-timing experience for you?
3: I think it was the freedom and the self-discovery. Life for a while just boiled down to the basics of What were you going to have for your next meal? Where were you going to park that night, find a safe place to camp? Um, What was our next story going to be about? Because we were um, not retirement age. We were making our living as travel writers. So our travels always had to do with where is the next good story.
0: Well, I can relate to that. I'm in much the same boat here. So it's good to hear that somebody actually succeeded at it. You're also uh, chronicling a lot of your experiences at a couple different blogs besides RVTravel.com, aren't you?
3: That's right. Uh, One is for RV cooks called um, Camping and and the other is SolowomanRV.Blogspot.com. For, for general information for any traveler, but especially for women who travel alone. Well, we were uh,
0: just this past weekend, our neighbors on three of the four sides, if you use the points of the compass, were solo women in RVs, which kind of, I, I hadn't thought about it till right now, but that that is, it's a thing now if you had to advise anybody considering that kind of a lifestyle, not necessarily full-time, but, but a solo woman traveling in an RV, what, what would be your number one piece of advice?
3: Just go ahead and do it. You learn by doing it. Once you get out there and see what's available by way of campgrounds and socialization and, uh, the kinds of activities that you enjoy And you learn this by sitting around the campfire and and just jawboning with other campers. There's a wonderful fraternity of, of camping out there. People are so friendly and helpful. And just don't be afraid of being alone out there. Well,
0: amen to that. And you're absolutely right. I cannot find a more friendly community than the folks who are pulling or driving something that they sleep in that night. Janet Graney, uh, let's talk about kind of your area of expertise at rvtravel.com. You're on top. you got your finger on the pulse of, of the things that are important to us when we actually are hooking it up and heading out. What's new that we need to know about if we're planning on going somewhere in the next couple months?
3: Well, first of all is the crowding. Because of the popularity of, of RV travel right now, um, it's almost uh, – crucial to have reservations and there um, there are just so many ways to make and get reservations but the key word is make them early now what i write is often date specific so it's important to first of all look at your own calendar for your travel dates Um, you may be looking at a vacation time of say two weeks or a bucket trip or just a special event. But then take a look at the general calendar to see what holidays are coming up because you know reservations are going to be harder to get during those times. So what we're looking at now are Mother's Day, Father's Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day. All of those are going to be very hot dates. And the good news is that most campgrounds now are offering special deals or special activities or parties during those special weekends. But the bad news is that many of the reservations are already full.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's it's almost scary. And and we don't want to flog a dead horse any more than we have to, but uh, there's nothing wrong with knowing how important it is these days. But what about some of those things? You report on a lot of campground events and, and other RV-related events. Is there anything in particular on, on your calendar, on your writing calendar that we, we ought to know about now?
3: The other thing to look at in terms of calendar dates is – nature's calendar because there are so many wonderful uh, festivals based on the time of year such as the cherry blossom festivals that are going on about this time there'll be wonderful apple festivals in the fall uh... strawberry festivals one year we followed springtime from florida to, uh... vermont following strawberries festivals all the way uh, I'm a very slow traveler. I like to stop and smell the flowers. Not everybody has that luxury, which makes planning and date specific planning even that much more important.
0: Well, you know, you you just mentioned the uh, hell, hell of a trip. If I, if I'm going to do one, I'm not going to follow the strawberries. I'm going to follow the cheeseburgers and that in itself might make some sense to me, but Are there um, new campgrounds or anything out there that we could know about that might help us in our travels?
3: There are so many new campgrounds as well as campgrounds that are expanding. And I cover them week by week, um, state by state. But um, they're, they're widely scattered when the news becomes available. The good news is that everyone is adding campsites and campgrounds. Um, so it just pays to stay up with what's going on, which is what I try to do, and pass along the information, um, not only specific dates but uh, specific activities, uh, discounts. Uh, Father's Day weekend, there's a campground in Indiana that's having special discounts for dads uh, who are EMS Uh, Fire and police, they get a special discount uh, during Father's Day weekend. Well, that's something to know about if you're interested in camping in uh, Indiana. Um, There's a Louisiana campground that uh, just put in a new climbing wall and a kayaking package. Um, A lot of campgrounds now are adding pizza stands. Uh, They're improving and enlarging their camp stores, uh, adding really nice resort-style swimming pools, Uh, and the whole resort keyword is an important one right now because people, especially families, are looking for resorts with camping, uh, not necessarily campgrounds, although there are still many of us who like to get away from it all and just have our own spot in the woods. So it depends on your camping lifestyle.
0: I would suggest that you stay in touch maybe even subscribe to RVtravel.com and become a part of the club, if you will support independent journalism, including the work by people like Janet Graney, who is doing all the homework for you, check out her regular articles at rvtravel.com and get up to speed on all these sort of things. You could almost plan a trip by just looking at the various pages over there. Janet, do you have any parting advice for us when it comes to what I'll loosely call travel planning for this summer?
3: My main advice I would say is to call the campground itself just before you go, because some of them are in pretty remote areas where you can't count on GPS instructions to get you there correctly. And because of COVID especially, but also because of floods and other road closures, it pays to check at the last minute for uh, information about access to the campground and new rules regarding, uh, say, uh, COVID.
0: Good advice, uh, especially this day and age, but always, always good to check in before you lose that cell phone signal. Janet Graney, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for being a part of the RV Travel Podcast. Have a great afternoon.
3: Thank you, Scott.
0: Can't think of a better way to cap off the RV Travel Podcast than with some great advice, practical information, that will probably serve you well. Check out Janet's work at rvtravel.com. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Joel Holland. Thank you, Chuck Woodbury for giving me this opportunity and then sharing all sorts of great travel advice as well. If you like what you hear, tell your friends. Subscribe on Google Podcasts or almost any of the other places where you can get a podcast. Please rate and review the RV Travel Podcast. Do visit RVTravel.com. Take the poll. Call me to share your own story at 541-382-1726. I'll leave you with this, which I was reminded of by another music school buddy of mine. Hey, Scott, here's a strategy. If you want the place to yourself at a public campground, Put your tuba on the picnic table. That'll keep everyone else away. Thanks again for listening. I'm Scott Linden. See you down the RV road.